Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Adam Childers, back with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I'm here in the Crow's Nest in Oklahoma City, the day after the solstice, longest day of uh, the year. Uh, So as we begin our backwards slide towards uh, winter, I'm uh, happy to be joined today by a a host, or excuse me, a guest that has been with us uh, multiple times. Uh, You know, he's becoming quite a star of the show, but today we're going to hearken back to something that he and I talked about on episode 12 of Briefly Legal, and that's Forever Chemicals, which means our uh, guest today could be none other than Tim Sawacki. Say hello to everybody, Tim. Hello, podcast world. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking more PFAS today. You betcha. Yeah, you uh, you took the words or at least the uh, the acronyms right out of my mouth. Uh, when we talk about forever chemicals, we're talking about uh, uh, PFOA, PFAS. Uh, and uh, there's a reason that uh, I use those acronyms. There's some really long uh, uh, chemical-based uh, names that go along with uh, forever chemicals. But Tim will talk a little bit about that. And of course, he's uh, uh, a great candidate to be doing that, of course because he's one of our rising stars here uh, at the law firm, a senior associate. Tim is in our uh, energy, environment, and natural resources practice group and deals with these kinds of issues for our client base on a, on a regular basis, which is uh, why he monitors these situations. And when uh, something new happens that's worth talking about, well, then he reaches out to our producer, Tyler, and says, uh, let's uh, tee up another one of those visits to the crow's nest, which is uh, what we have done today. So let's Let's get started, Tim. Um, for those who um, have slept since episode 12, uh, uh, when we talked about Forever Chemicals, um, tell us a little bit about uh, PFOA, PFOS, uh, you know, what they are and, and why they've become kind of a um, something that's really kind of prominent, uh, both in the scientific world, but really in the legal world as well. Yeah, good question. So these are fairly long um, scientific um, names and and acronyms for for those names. Um, We're talking about PFAS, P-F-A-S, and this is an acronym for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. These are organic compounds characterized by um, a carbon chain, which can be short or long, um, with a covalent bond or bonded to fluorine atoms. And in in nature, it creates a a highly um, durable, persistent, bioaccumulative substance, and in some cases, a a toxic substance we're learning. These chemicals um, were commercialized. They were developed during World War II um, out of um, companies that we're familiar with, DuPont, uh, 3M, um, and found commercialization after the war um, in products such as Teflon, Scotchgard, and in particular, Teflon is is a is a specific has a specific PFAS in it, um, known as PFOA or C8, which was the subject of of a movie that some folks are familiar with, In Dark Waters, um, and has been um, slowly um, banned from manufacturing in the United States. Now, PFOS is another form of PFAS as well, popularly known as, as Scotchgard. Um, and these are, are waterproof finishes. So back to, to why was PFAS um, commercialized? Why is it important to us as, as an industrial and a, and a commercial product? Well, it's heat resistant. It's water resistant. It's highly durable. 
Um, but the costs for that, there are environmental costs and those um, we've been, there's mounting evidence, mounting scientific literature that some of these specific PFAS, PFOA and PFOS specifically are, are carcinogenic and may, may have other adverse health effects. So EPA is on this. They've been gearing up for this right. for years and they did something last week um, that I just felt compelled to come to the crow's nest and, <laughs> and, and make like Paul Revere and say the PFAS regulations really are coming here. Well, and you, you said as much when we've talked about this before, that this is is too important uh, for the, the EPA to swing and miss that regulations would be coming, mostly because, the, as usual, the science had kind of outstripped the regulation early on. Now there seems to be some, some catching up. And so as you had prognosticated, there was uh, some efforts uh, that just last week by the, uh, by the EPA to try to catch up a little bit. So uh, tell our viewers, our, our listeners uh, and our viewers, as we're uh, uh, taping this uh, uh, on video as well, as uh, audio today, but uh, tell them a little bit about what the EPA did last week. Yeah, so EPA on June 15th um, issued updated health advisory levels for four specific PFAS. And these are perfluorooctanoic acid, that's PFOA, popularly known as Teflon, perfluorooctane sulfonic acid, PFOS, um, that's Scotchgard and derivatives thereof, um, perfluorobutane sulfonic acid and its potassium salts. Now, that was a shorter chain PFAS developed as a replacement for PFOS, mm. um, but evidence is showing that it is potentially carcinogenic and has, Even has a replacement yeah. health effects. And then we have hexofluoropropylene oxide. FPO. Um, this is also recognized as Gen X chemicals. And this was also a replacement, a shorter chain PFAS, less carbon um, atoms in, in that particular um, compound for PFOA, Teflon. But again, these shorter chain PFAS are still persistent and bioaccumulative in the, vir- in the environment and showing some adverse health effects. So well, I think it's cute that there's like a little family there. We even have our, our Gen Xers uh, that are in there. I guess at some point we'll get some millennials in there too. But uh, for now, uh, the, the replacement Gen Xers need to be uh, regulated. That sounds, that sounds familiar to me. Yeah. And I could see, I could see folks grumbling, you know, these, these Gen X oh. chemicals, they just don't, <laughs> they don't do what those longer chain carbon, uh, longer chain PFAS used to do. And they don't work like, like we wanted them to do, but I digress. So EPA comes out with these updated health advisory levels. What's interesting is that they've had these uh, since 2016, the health advisory levels for four PFOA and PFOS, and that was at 70 parts per trillion. Um, and again, these are very small. We're in a, 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 a different order of magnitude in terms of these measurements. Um, but last week, what's interesting, a drastic reduction um, mm. in, the, the, in the limits um, EPA is issuing under this health advisory. And for PFOA, that is 0.004 parts per trillion or four parts per quadrillion. For PFOS, that's 0.02 parts per trillion. So we've gone from 70 PPT to to very, very minute levels. Mm. And what's very interesting, at the same time that EPA um, released these updated health advisory levels, they um, indicated uh, that it is there's no labs currently that can detect these limits. Well, that's my next question. Who, who finds some part in a quadrillion? 
Uh, no labs at this time. Okay. And, and EPA is still developing sampling um, methodologies um, to to address uh, the, <laughs> these levels, these detectable levels. What's interesting from the EPA's press releases um, that went out in concert with the updated health advisories, EPA is essentially indicating that new epidemiological studies, human studies, and animal studies um, are showing that the presence of any PFOA or any PFOS in drinking water is potentially will potentially cause adverse health effects. Well, that seemed to be the takeaway. When, if, you, if you can't really test it to that level and it's at such an infinitesimal level, it sounds like the takeaway is you don't want that in your drinking water at any level. Exactly. Exactly. And and EPA is authorized to do this. What's important is is under the Safe Drinking Water Act, EPA may publish these health advisories um, for contaminants that are not yet regulated. Um, but also in these press releases, and if we hark back to a document that EPA created in October 2021 called its Strategic PFAS PFAS Roadmap, um, EPA has been showing the regulated community its cards. It's been saying we are moving towards regulating specific PFAS under a number of federal environmental statutes. Name this one in this particular context, the Safe Drinking Water Act. And so as part of that press release, EPA, true to the roadmap that they issued in October 2021, said this is a step towards um, regulating these as contaminants under the Safe Drinking Water Act. And we expect to propose um, regulations in this regard in fall of 2022. So they're following their roadmap. They're moving forward. But these are very um, low levels of water, uh, of, of these contaminants in drinking water. And it's going to, to cause some issues. I'm sure. And so that uh, leads to probably the, the last area of inquiry for us, which is couldn't help but notice, of course, it's, it's styled as an advisory, meaning it's not it got a binding effect. At least that's what it sounds like to me. And I'll let you uh, opine on that. But um, it is still a precursor, it sounds like, to some regulation that would have a binding effect. So for those um, members of the business community out there that, um, you know, have to worry about these regulations, you know, do you think that they could get uh, even tighter uh, or is there going to be perhaps in the regulation process a little bit more give and take knowing that it could cause some of those problems? So, so speak to that issue. Well, to address your first point, yes, this is guidance. It's non-binding. Again, it's a, a strong policy signal from the EPA that we are going to put teeth on this regulation in the near future. Um, To the regulated community or to to the community in general, how to respond to this. Um, First of all, I want to say this is drinking water. Um, This is something that we consume on a daily basis. And so I I do want to start with at the consumer level. Um, EPA has issued some some Q&As and some guidance in relation to the issuance of these updated health advisories. And one is... Consumers, um, if you are concerned with the possible presence of PFAS, 
particular PFOA, PFOS in your drinking water supply, um, you're free to contact your, your operator of, of your, your water utility um, and, and request if they are monitoring this or where they are at in terms of PFAS monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly, a lot of uh, water operators are, are not there yet. Again, as we discussed, the technology and the monitoring isn't, isn't quite there um, to detect these limits of, of PFAS. Um, mothers that may be breastfeeding. This is another, I mean, these are real important nexuses um, where PFAS hits real human um, beings. Um, mothers, you know, if you're concerned with your, your breast milk, um, you know, having PFAS contamination and potentially causing um, adverse health effects to your, to your you know, child, um, consult your physician. Do blood, we can do blood tests and, and detect uh, various levels of PFAS. Um, what I get back to water operators, utilities, they're going to get hit pretty hard here. These are very low um, detectable limits. It will mm-hmm. require incredible technology um, improvements, upgrades to facilities, rural water providers, urban water providers. We're seeing a fair amount of efficacy with granular activated carbon inputs to um, filter out potential PFAS in you know drinking water and water operations. Um, but it, it, now is the time to prepare for these anticipated regulations. Um, so, um, again, getting back to EPA sending a strong signal here that this is a real issue. It needs to be addressed. For the first time in EPA's history, as far as I can tell, this roadmap really has outlined to the regulated community where EPA is headed, and it's provided a time frame for this. So there's really, the regulated community needs to pay attention here and um, and, and address this, this really this wave of, of PFAS regulations that's going to start with the Safe Drinking Water Act. And then the next step is um, identifying is a hazardous substance and subject to Superfund regulation. And so in that context, if a site is contaminated with legacy PFAS, um, EPA can go after uh, the succession of ownership of, uh, related to that property um, that caused that contamination. And then the real fund begins. And then uh, the, the, the real fund for lawyers Yes, right. yes, that's right. Well, and and I'm I'm glad you kind of uh, covered such a, a broad canvas there because it's not just the, uh, the, the business community would it would be a disservice I think for them to say well the the testing's not there I'll I'll worry about that another time I think that you, you have to be ready for the remediation efforts you have to be ready for um, you know the PR issues that that come with this I mean this is a a loaded topic. And as you said, the EPA has laid down the gauntlet and they have continued to march along uh, that roadmap as they have said uh, to the communities uh, that they would. So uh, there's no surprise here. It's just whether or not you're going to get ready. And it's by partnering with uh, lawyers like Tim and and members of our um, Energy and Environment and Natural Resources Group that you're able to do that. Uh, and so appreciate you keeping your, your, your eyes uh uh, and ears on on these uh, developments, Tim, uh, and I'm sure <laughs> this will be uh, the second installment of what will be multi-series in the future because it's an important issue and one that's really developing by the day. So thanks. We, indeed, we could we could do multiple podcasts on this. this. There's so much to cover. The PFAS um, regulations are moving on the daily here, and um, you need you need some agility and you need to to stay apprised of of what's happening at the EPA level. And and I'd be remiss to not point out 
about um, that a number of states are also um, setting contaminant levels for various PFAS. And Oklahoma does not have um, a, a statute in the books yet. They have had proposed legislation um, two years ago, and then this past session, it didn't didn't make it into the session. Um, but these, these state regulations are coming as well. Um, we just saw in the latest legislative session in Colorado a consumer protection legislation that is banning PFAS in a number of consumer goods from cosmetics to, to, to clothing um, and even um, intentionally adding PFAS and hydraulic fracturing fluids um, that we saw that in Colorado. So again, um, whether it's the federal government through the EPA moving forward on this or the states, um, these persistent chemicals are going to persist um, with moving forward in regulations. And, and I you know, would advise everyone to, to stay updated on this because it's really, really quite fascinating. Um, it sure is. And I, and I appreciate it. So let's let's close things out. Um, we, we, we always like to play uh, get to know uh, your crow. And uh, Tim's played it with us before. So I figure we'll, uh, you know, change things up a little bit. I figure, but, you know, it's it's uh, we're it's officially summer now. Right. You know, it uh, feels it, like it. Yeah. Most people think it's, you know, soon as the kids get out of school. But of course, it's, you know, about middle of June that that actually happens. But uh, makes me think about the. Summer music series. Tim and I are both, uh, uh, you know, music guys and enjoy live music quite a bit. Of course, now that you actually get to have some live music, uh, it makes it even better. So I, I'm going to set this up and tell you that. Um, so I, I kind of kicked off my summer uh, uh, concert series uh, by um, kind of channeling my inner 90s and went to see the Smashing Pumpkins at uh, at the zoo. The zoo's always a great place to, to watch a show. It was one of those nights where, you know, it was just starting to rain. The temperature was down and uh, Billy Corgan and the gang uh, sounded just like they did, at least in my mind, uh, in the 90s. I had an excellent, excellent night. But I, I hear uh, that that you uh, went to a, a, an even better venue here recently uh, and got to enjoy yourself. So tell us how you kicked off your summer concert series. Yeah, I, I, I a little, I say this, you know, a little apprehensively. I, I um, attended a concert at Red Rocks, which is an incredible venue two weeks ago. The act I saw was admittedly a Grateful Dead cover band um, known as Joe Russo's Almost Dead. I am a, a kind of a Grateful Dead nerd, I admit, um, but an absolutely amazing show. Kind of the, the everyone you know, very uh, uh, much wanting to be there. Very positive environment. I think we're all celebrating large gatherings of people that feel safe these days. And mm-hmm. so um, it was a great concert. Um, as the evening descended, a little cooler. It was a little bit of a respite from from Oklahoma's heat. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Just some some groovy tunes, Adam. Very, very cool. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to admit this. Of all the great venues that are out there, and as many times I've had a chance to see a show there, and I know all about Red Rocks, I have not seen a show there. Oh, you got to go. I know. This is the, <laughs> the the common reaction I draw from uh, music aficionados, and I I feel regret and uh, and shame when I say it out loud. So maybe now that I've come clean in the uh, the Briefly Legal uh, podcast space, this will motivate me to, to take that uh, – 
that off my ledger. But, um, well, good. I'm glad that uh, that's probably just the first step of uh, many shows uh, during the summer and, and for myself as well. And uh, it's good that you get a little bit of a respite from, uh, you know, memorizing all these uh, chemical names, which uh, <laughs> I, I promise you I would not be able to do. So we'll draw the show to a close now. And uh, I'll thank Tim once again for the excellent work he does uh, in this area. And um, for those of you out there in the community that uh, just want to know more about it, um, uh, think of Tim as a, as a great resource for that, uh, because he certainly is. So that draws us to the close of the show. Just want to uh, thank everyone out there for uh, listening and or watching. Uh, and uh, to remind you that, um, you know, when you do check us out on your uh, podcast uh, space of choice. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, and and I, I really feel like that you do, uh, I, I would be most appreciative, as, as all of the Briefly Legal team would be, if you'd be uh, so kind as to give us a, a nice rating and, and or follow us. It, it does a lot for our um our sense of worth, and uh, and we sure do enjoy getting to see the feedback that we get from all of you out there. We're continuing to put up some great numbers and, and reaching even more of you, and we're really, really excited about that. So until next time, I'm going to sign off and tell everybody out there, uh, be safe, be kind to one another, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here once again next time on Briefly Legal. 